Welcome back to The Drop. This is Michael Saramella, and shortly I'm going to be joined by Buck to talk about everything that happened this week in surfing. But if you want to hear about what happened in Sakurama this week, that happened in the last episode. I chatted with Stacey G about the winners, the losers, the qualification situations, the Olympic implications, and everything in between. So if you want to hear about competitive professional surfing, you can go back one episode and listen there. In this episode, we're going to chat about a different side of WSL news on the business side because they were just actually offered to be bought by a major company, and you'll have to listen to hear what happened. Other than that, we're going to get into the third episode of Band Stab High, presented by Monster Energy, which just went live, an exclusive interview with John Florence and Sam McIntosh. They're going to talk to John about pretty much everything, and this is very clearly the most candid John has ever been with us. We're also going to talk about the Vans Pipe Masters profiles, which have been dropping on the site, and a surf sin where we are considering calling the authorities. So, let's get into it. All right, we have a shirtless Mikey C in his natural environment of New Jersey, and it just, it looks good. Do you feel at home? So at home. New Jersey in November, got fall colors, beautiful weather, water's still nice. I'm wearing a 3-2, no booties, like... Thanks, Al Gore. Yeah, thanks, Al Gore is right. So anyway, we got a little hurricane swell coming, maybe, um, over the weekend, so we'll see what, what that brings. But um, yeah, Buckley, obviously based in Portugal and finding good waves every day, I would imagine. More or less, yeah. Yeah, I find some average ones too, though. I do a great job at, at seeking average waves with no people, um, but also sometimes surfing really good waves with people too. A mix. Okay, well, this week we have got a few people who surfed really good waves and a few people who surfed waves that nobody else wanted to surf but made them look really good, and I think that's pretty much our first segment of this show. Should we get into it? Ooh, you mean our top story, Mikey? That's right. Oh, let's get there. Vans Stab High Indonesia, presented by Monster Energy, episode three. It's going by fast, maybe too fast. Maybe too fast. It's it's just feels like just yesterday we we're ep one. Now we're already ep three out of four, so we're creeping up towards the final here. And Mikey, I have to say, when you walked away from Stab Highway, California, I think that was the most excited that I've seen you about something that Stab had created or done or just, you know, a project really. This your feedback on this episode seems like a close second. Yeah, this is by far for me the best episode of Van Stab High presented by Monster Energy. There's just, there's so much to it. Like coming out of Ep 2, we already know that we're going to get this surf off between Noah Dean and Rasta Rob, which is like the most incredible combination. Like what just a, you know, sort of oxymoron collision of surfers in the heat together. Um, and then coming into this episode, it actually opens with something that's kind of competition related but not really basically as we know surfers who get knocked out of this event can still go for the monster air in free surfs anywhere around the competition up until the day of the finals and the waves were pumping this entire swell so a bunch of the surfers went over to a nearby wave called periscopes which if you don't know what it is you've definitely seen it in a million surf edits over the years it's this right hander that sort of bowls at you it's almost like soup bowlish but more indo perfect e. And unbelievable surfing over there. I will say that 
somebody that was not in the competition was actually the best surfer out there, which <laughs> you'll kind of understand it when you see it. So it starts off with that, and then we're straight into the ladybirds, and they've got to land a rotation. First of all, I just need to call out saying soup bullish, but more Indo perfecty. If you had any idea what this man was just talking about, you have committed too much of your life to surfing. Like you would be in a better standing societally if you did not understand that. And most of you probably did. And I love you for that because what a string of words. Um, good description, by the way. I think, yeah, it makes sense. But yeah, the the, the Rasta Rob and Noah Dean thing to me, like you said, it is two very polarizing people who get along. You know, it's like, I don't know. I, I guess you'd see them together and you'd be like, oh, are these guys going to like beef? And like, no, they're like, respect each other greatly and we're like i don't know that side was funny to me but because just on paper they're two very very different you know tastes that they're I'd like say, a sitcom right? couple or like two best friends in a sitcom like yeah just couldn't be more different but somehow they just like gel together yeah i know i know and i think what's so cool about this is like i swear piece of feedback we always hear like i guess in general and even when we're just on site at these things is like this is what the WSL would do. Stab should go the other way. Like, don't be like, it's like almost just like this force. Like, it's like, we should be polarizing with the WSL. Like we should throw these curveballs, and we should look at a situation and say like, oh, well the rules say X, Y, and Z. We should be like, okay, well, if this is our situation, why don't we do this to get to the next step rather than like, you know, go the safe route. And I think this is a really good example of that. Um, and I just think that's so cool. I think it's so fun to look at it, at what we had, which was, you know, when we were judges, it was like we had some rounds that were easy. Like round one was pretty easy. We didn't have any like big decisions to make to say like, okay, these errors were really similar, but this one's better than that one. It was pretty cut and dry. That changed this episode. We had some big decisions to make and to make them to kind of create these new things. Like we didn't go into this event saying a surf off's on the table. We just saw what we had and we're like, okay, fuck it, surf off, like it's on. It was just so cool. And um, yeah, Rasta, Rasta Rob, you get to see his his warm-up routine, which is pretty cool. I mean, it's a big thing for surfers, the whole warm-up thing. And his is unique, I'd say. Maybe not unique, but unique for a pro, maybe. <laughs> yeah, that's true. So on the judging front, watching these episodes back, are there any moments where you just sort of cringe and be like, oh my god, we got that so wrong, or that score should have totally been this? I haven't had any where I think we were wrong, like in the grand scheme. I don't think we messed. There's not a thing where I was like, oh, we should have had it this X over Z. Like, you know, like anything where it should have been switched. Like we got, and the WSL does this. Again, we try to be the anti-WSL, but like you could tell when they have a heat that like, okay, shit, we went too high on this guy's first wave. So we're going to go higher on this person's last wave to end the heat because, you know, and so in the grand scheme, they just try to get things right. And I think we did the same thing. And definitely some cringe moments at uh, at how excited we were over certain things. But also, I've always had this theory that, like, surfing looks, it's almost like you could attach some wild percentage to it. But I think, like, how good surfing looks on film compared to how good it looks from land compared to how good it looks in the water, it almost is just like, 
it just multiplies, right? Like, it's just like surfing on film, you never really understand. Like, you don't have the context of how the ocean was moving that day and, like, what it's really like to surf that wave. And then even from land, you don't have all that context. But when you're in the water and you see, like, what that wave looked like when they took off and all that, like, that's, like, you really understand what happened. And, yeah, so I do think some of that, a lot of that is lost in film. But still, nothing that I think that we got straight up wrong. Is there anything for you? In every episode, I feel like there's been, like, one thing where I was like, oh, that that probably could have gone the other way. In this episode, it ends up being something that doesn't impact or, you know, affect the outcome of the heat, which is good. But there's one error that I think we definitely underscored. In uh, in the last episode, I thought that Baja Koala's error might have been better than Sean Manners, the straight air. Baja did like the big front side air, front side grab out of the bowl, had sort of a sketchy landing, and then Sean did a cleaner slob, but like to me the size disparity was like so clear that even though he had the sloppy landing, I think Baja probably still should have won that heat. Of course he ended up making it through the leaderboard, so it didn't end up mattering. And I know a lot of other people felt that Luke Swanson should have beat Huey Vaughn in that first round, or the qualifying round as we're calling it. Um, there was that discrepancy of, you know, one straight air versus full rotation and two first section versus second section. We obviously went with Huey because he went first section and just went straight through the lip. So those were kind of like two of the things that stood out to me. But all in all, yeah, I don't feel badly. I don't feel like we've um, sort of knocked anybody out that shouldn't have been knocked out at this point. Yeah, yeah. And don't want to give anything away, but the final is tough too. The final will be the next episode, and that was, like, I think that's when we really had to put our, our, that was when I felt the most kind of uh, pressure as a judge to get things right, and was like, okay, we have a decision on our hands, it's, it's, it's a tough one, like, it's, like, it's getting pretty subjective at this point, you know? Yeah, and like you said, too, even at the end of this episode, there's a big decision that we have to make, so it's, it's kind of cool how it's all built out, like, the drama was real, but also it really does come through in the episodes. Like the editors did a great job of building it all up, all this tension and all these moments of, you know, high intensity when people are like, oh my God, and it's really there. So go ahead, watch up three. It's the best one yet. And I assume the final is going to be even better. Yeah. And remember folks, like inflation, whatever is happening, all that, this is free. This is on the free side of the site. So get there, watch it. And uh, if Mikey and I got something wrong, you have to have a premium account to yell at us in the comments. So get a premium account, even if it's just a seven-day free trial, which we still have going, and just yell at us. And then you can get out if you want, but you shouldn't get out. You should stay there. But still, if if you think we got something wrong, get in there, watch it for free, scream at us in all caps, get your punctuation wrong, don't use commas, and uh, we'll go from there. And remember, you can also now watch it on the Stab Premium app, which is going to make viewing experiences that much more lovely moving forward. It will enhance them. It will enhance your life, folks. Get there. Interview. John John's unfiltered thoughts on filmmaking, power surfing, his upbringing, injuries, and more. The subhead here is... This is the most candid John's ever been with us. This interview was conducted by Sam McIntosh. John was on his boat, just hanging out outside Cloud Break, you know? Just parked out there, a couple nights on the boat, a couple nights on the island, getting tube, doing turns, having just a really interesting life, I guess. it's He's a fascinating person, isn't he? He really is, and this is the first time that 
Well, maybe not the first first time, but I, the the rapport that Sam has built with John here is so evident. Like, this is actually one of my favorite interviews that I've read on Stab because it's one of these, like, A-list guys that, yeah, we can get John on the phone, but he doesn't always give us himself. He gives us the media-trained version of himself, and it really feels like Sam broke down that wall in this interview, which is just such a testament to all the time that he's put in in surf media and the relationships that he's built. But it's crazy. Like, he ends up calling John out on a few things. He calls him disingenuous in view from a blue moon he called out uh john's music choice he called out basically nate being a better on-camera personality than john and john he kind of took it he kind of laughed at a few of the things and he pushed back on a few things as well and the fact that they can sort of have that it just feels so much more organic than a lot of interviews which feel like you know a superstar and a sycophant who's just trying to appease them it it really feels like they're equals and it comes across great it really does and this our site clocks it as a 13-minute read. That's what, like six minutes for you, Buck? Remember that, folks. I'm, I'm faster than you at reading. <laughs> but this thing, I mean, this thing's going to take you. I, the, the read alone is, yeah, maybe 13 minutes, but there's so much other stuff in there that we worked into the piece, like um, so many other videos. Like there's a fascinating part of the interview where you were the one to find this clip, Mikey, but... I don't want to spoil anything. You have to get there. It's on premium. You have to pay to read it. But I'm not going to spoil what he says about Felipe surfing entirely. But he does have some thoughts on Felipe. And he talks about what surfing looks good to him and inspires him. And he says that there's like a wave at G-Land this year, which we all know is was not, there's no swell. Um, that he said Felipe was just like really had this flow with the wave that he was able to like extract the perfect amount of power and keep his speed through it and of all the waves to stick out in john john's brain of this whole year for that to be it is just fucking fascinating to me and you were the one that you were like i think it came up in a little slack thread and you're like sam was like hey john said this does anybody know what he's talking about within like 15 minutes you were like probably this one <laughs> and i was like <laughs> <laughs> well because it stood out to me as well and when you watch it again on the thing, I think anybody that's like a true surfer will understand why. I think he got a four on this wave. It was not one of his top scores in the heat. And it is the most unbelievable surfing you've ever seen. Just like pure, pure surfing. Again, you got to go on Stab Premium to see it. Or you can do a really in-depth heat analyzer uh, <laughs> little trip if you want. But it'd probably be you know time for money. It would be probably a better investment of your money just to get the premium account to watch it other than spending an hour trying to do it. <laughs> be more efficient so again you have to go on to stab premium to read the entire interview but we do want to give you a little snippet from the interview from john himself i um i wanted to focus today actually just on surf filmmaking because it's such an important part of your life it feels like to me yeah it's been <laughs> i don't know it's, uh, it's always just been like a hobby since i was younger did your mum like your mum has been such an integral part of your life did she play surf films for you guys growing up like what how'd it work um, she, she didn't really play surf films for us. I think my brothers and I naturally, as just kids growing up, always were amped on the surf movies. Um, I was like watching when we were really young. Lost at Sea was my favorite movie of all time. Have you ever seen that movie? Yes. When all those guys went to Mentalize on that boat trip. Isn't it like a six-hour um, film? It just went on forever. <laughs> I don't know. I don't, I it's so long. A long time. But I just remember it being like my favorite surf movie ever. Um, and I watched that all the time. 
And then, uh, kind of after that, I don't know, I guess my mom was really into photography and then I got into cameras slowly, but surely as I was traveling, um, and then just started filming more and more. And I, that was kind of right around the time when like the 7D, Canon 7D, like that everyone had, and like those cameras kind of started becoming like really accessible. Um, cause before that it was like the Panasonic P2. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so like, um, it was like around that time when everything started becoming smaller, more accessible, easier to use. And I was kind of getting into it at the same time. And I don't know, I feel like that kind of just all kind of went in the same direction. And then uh, Travis Rice started coming out with his movies. And those, I think, really inspired me. Um, they were just, yeah, I don't know, watching him and the, and the energy and time and everything that went into him. And, and just being able to see what they can do with cameras around sports and not just like... Uh, just filming. I don't know. I thought it was really cool. I feel like recently that you've gotten into sharing more of your personality because I think at a point you don't you don't need anything else, right? Like the way you ride a ride a wave, the way you read the ocean, you just can just put action of yourself to good to really good music, and that's enough. But I feel as you get older, people need to reveal more about their character, and I feel like you're doing more of that as you're going. Yeah, I think it's a part of like, kind of, I don't know, I guess as you get older, you figure out yourself a little more and you get a little more comfortable with yourself. Um, and I think just, I'm naturally kind of a little more introverted. And so just being okay with that and being just like, kind of, it is what it is, however it is. <laughs> and so, um, yeah, so it's been kind of fun to kind of go in a different direction and not just the surfing part of it and do kind of I guess more. Um, it just it's different, yeah. You know? It's I think yeah, I feel like you just have to kind of keep changing to make it uh, fun. All right, one more thing I want to call out here. I've told this to Sam maybe like five times, but I remember I was doing some freelance stuff for Stab, but I wasn't full time. And so I think when the first Stab high ran, I just I don't know, it was twelve bucks or something. I was just like, okay, I can I can pay for this. Like I I didn't want to be like, hey, can I have a code? You know, like I just bought it and as a result like i wasn't even though i was freelancing i wasn't like in meetings at stab or anything i didn't know anything else was happening other than i'd send words once or twice a week and they'd get published right and so i guess after i bought stab high i was on this list of like hey you've supported us you've given us money for content in the past and basically there's this whole crazy story where this this gentleman, Alberto Boff. Boff? Boff, fucking hell. Names again? <laughs> really? Boff? No, no, I think you were right the first time. I was just kidding. Oh, you got me good, I bet. <laughs> anyway, this guy's like proper Hollywood like music sound guy, right? And he did, he loves to surf, so he did uh, the, the sound design for Steph's electric acid surfboard test. And, you know, we built a little bit of a relationship with it. When I say we, again, I'm removed. So Stab, as an entity, built a relationship with this guy, probably Sam. And he was working with John on View from a Blue Moon. And they tried so hard to get a Jay-Z song interlude um, 
for this pipe section and they just could not fucking get it like they couldn't even get a response from jay-z like usually you know you can get a response and somebody be like yeah okay you want this song it's gonna be 300k jay-z is just not hitting them back you know they're doing this whole thing that's supposed to be this big mainstream thing and jay-z is just like no fuck you guys like like nobody's answering which is funny because you got hollywood guy you got john john you got like their vision for that film and just jay-z's not biting uh but the guy still had made it like he still like took that jay-z song and designed some of the natural sound into it and it's just like this and then it's just john at pipe and it's just incredible um and when i got sent that because basically we because there's no rights to it stab sent this email out to say hey like here's you support us in the past yeah here's this little treat that nobody can access and if jay-z emails us then we'll take it down but like fuck it um and i remember i just I watched it and I was like blown away. Just it felt it was like I think for me it was the best music and surfing pairing that I loved Andy and Campaign. I maybe just that age I probably wouldn't listen to that song naturally now, but like this was just fucking spot on for me. And you get to rewatch that unless Jay Z emails us. So get there before Jay Z um sends some people to the Oceanside office. Jay Z I can give you the address, but go watch that. That alone is worth the the price of admission here, I think. But the whole interview, like I said, 13-minute read for you, four-minute read for me. Get there and um, enjoy it. Allow me to reintroduce myself. My name is... WSL says, no deal to Netflix's offer to buy the league. This one came out of fucking nowhere. Usually you hear whispers of this kind of thing. This one just came up this week. The Wall Street Journal report on it. And wow, Netflix tried to buy the WSL. Um, why? Can, can you imagine? Like surfing literally could have just changed and could have disappeared if the WSL decided to do this. Like uh, who knows what Netflix's plans were? I guess, you know, they're... Their company fell off a bit this year. They actually lost some subscribers for the first time, so they had a big stock dip, and obviously there's a huge stock dip in general right now, especially in the tech sector. But, I mean, Netflix literally could have taken the WSL, could have taken professional surfing and done whatever they wanted with it, which is such a terrifying prospect. They could have just bought it. They could have just purchased it. It's insane. And even in the in the Wall Street Journal story, it says, like, the plans were vague, but they did have, there was a line in there about how they had something of a vision for, like, new tournaments or events. And it's like, what the, what were you going to do, Netflix? Like, whoa, 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 whoa. I mean. Surfing by Squid Games. My God, this is like, we dodged a bullet here, folks. Details are still vague, but the gist of this one is Netflix was snick, was sniffing around. You know, a lot of these streamers are looking for like, you know, you see some mainstream American sports on, like, Amazon Prime now and stuff. They're looking for more content, essentially. And they say, hey, a lot of people watch live sporting events. And then they go, well, what's cheap for, you know, you can't buy the... You're not going to buy the NFL. So they go, oh, what's this surfing thing? Like, maybe this will work. And, uh, wow. So, unfortunately, we don't have the details of what exactly this would look like. I really want to sniff around. I'm going to... I don't know if something's going to Jay-Z me and just not hit us back, but like I do, I've already sent an email on Netflix. And I want to see if I can at least get somehow into somebody access to somebody who can explain what it would have looked like more. Cause I'm just so fascinated by that. I can't promise that I can promise I'm trying. 
Um, I'm just so curious. I want to know the duel. I want to see this bullet we dodge. I want to analyze it. I pick it up in my hand and go, whoa. I know. I'm thinking people are so concerned with Elo and Ziff. And it's like, can you imagine if we just fell into the hands of some giant corporate conglomerate streaming service? Like, what actually, like, the, surfing, I don't know how else to, like, express this, but it, surfing could have ended in the way that we know it. Professional competitive surfing. Easy, easy. Yeah. I mean, one thing that strikes me about this story, and this is a free one. This is on the free side of the site. We're just, we didn't do what the Wall Street Journal did. We just found what they wrote and um, shared it. Like I said, we're trying. I just can't promise anything. But it just shows you how... I don't want to use the word fragile, but it it just kind of reminds you that, like, okay, the WSL is just this entity which can be purchased. It can be, like, somebody can just come in and buy it and do whatever the hell they want with it. And, yeah, to your point, like, we did get lucky that that person was eventually Dirk Ziff because... Yeah, give like you said give them shit say elo's this say that like it could have been so much fucking worse than a mid-year cut like do you think the wsl is just saying mm, sorry that number's not big enough or is it really a consideration of like we need to protect pro surfing in a sense just knowing sort of the people that are in the room there in the wall street journal's report it sounds like it, they just could they cited it as they couldn't agree on a number they just the price was way off they had two very different visions of it but that's a tough question. Um, you'd have to know what... I guess it comes down to the biggest thing with WSL. Like, what is Dirks' long-term plan? I don't know it. I don't know what he... I don't know if he wants to sell it. I don't know if he wants to just hold on to it and have this fun little toy. I mean, he's worth $5.7 Even though the WSL is rumored to lose, like, 10 to $50 million a year, when you have $5.7 and... You have a fun little toy that you can write off, like, who cares? I don't know if that's his game. I don't know if he, like, I doubt somebody of his level is in it to try to really, like, turn a profit, but I don't know that answer. And so I guess it comes down to what that is, because that does seem to be this, like, big question that looms over over what this whole, what the whole end game is here, because, yeah, clearly it's, it's, um, it's, working ish according to elo it's working i mean eight point that's what i was going to say is like it's a shame that this news didn't come out prior to your chat with elo it would have been such a good talking point but yeah it's like numbers are up but the question remains of whether they can sort of convert that into a profit right because they haven't been able to at least as far as we know thus far so maybe netflix saw that and saw and thought oh they're on the up and up maybe that's a good thing but maybe the wsl is saying like yeah but we've got so much room to grow we're not selling for whatever you're offering i don't know we need to do some more research on this one we are we're we're on it folks this one came up like we said out of the blue we didn't know this the the wall street journal just got a hold of it maybe it wasn't a long conversation maybe it was just a quick one but they were like hey like this is interesting we're gonna sniff around we'll see what we'll get for you but yeah let's just I'll take a moment of silence to be grateful for the fact that Netflix did not buy the WSL and make it into Squid Games. Surfing remains privately owned by a billionaire who doesn't really know anything about surfing. Thank God. Thank God. <laughs> Attention pipe shoulder hoppers. Watch out for Kalog Race. Yeah. Uh, factual. Factual, that's definitely, if you are trying to sit on the shoulder of a pipeline and pick off a little scrap, 
you watch out for Kalah Grace. Uh, this is a profile on Kalah for the upcoming Vans Pipeline Masters. And uh, yeah, he doesn't want you to get in his way. And I think if you paddled out at Pipeline, which I really encourage you not to do unless you have really spent a lot of time thinking about it and, and preparing yourself for it. But if you are out there, I think you would pretty quickly get the sense that you should not get in Claw Grace's way. And uh, he makes it clear. In case you in case you missed it, he in this in this profile he he lets you know. Yeah. So this is one of four Vans Pipe Master surfer profiles that we've currently released with Vans. The fifth one's coming this weekend. I believe it's Matt Miola, and I think we're doing like ten or twelve total. So this is highlighting some of the surfers who are going to be competing in this year's Vans Pipe Masters. And it was directed by Danny Johnson, who came up with a really cool concept for all these profiles, because we've all seen the same videos over and over again. You know, you go to a surfer's house and ask them various questions, and then you overlay footage over it, and you never really get to who they are, because they just, you know, they're just answering what you give them, and they're trying to, one, you know, not appear a certain way, or they're, they're a lot in their heads, but the way that he's sort of set this whole thing up is it's a list of prompted questions that are written out and they have to fill in the blank and at the same time that they're doing that we're asking them to basically do things around their house or around their zones that they would be otherwise doing anyway so like Ivan Florence for instance we get him uh, climbing up a coconut tree which he does in his backyard all the time he goes to the bonsai skate park and you get this version of Ivan that we've never seen before he's so loose and unguarded and you get to feel like you actually meet Ivan Florence for the first time. Bethany Hamilton, same thing. She basically shares her frustration with being known in the surfers and especially the commentator's eyes as the one-armed surfer as opposed to the exceptionally good surfer. And the way she expresses herself in that is really clear and articulate and powerful. Um, as you mentioned, Kala Grace doesn't like people shoulder hopping, among other things. And we just got to meet Pua DeSoto a bit closer, who you would have seen last year in the Vans pickup episodes with Tosh Tudor. But we get to go to her home on the west side, learn about what she's basically been doing and how she's preparing for the Pipe Masters. And in a little nod to Kelly Slater in black and white, each of the episodes ends with the surfer sharing what they are going to be eating on finals day of the Vans Pipe Masters. And oddly, thus far, no cereal. Wow. Kelly just kind of... You'd think that people would, you know, take note of what's been successful in the past and try to replicate that, but a lot of avo toast. Should I do the Magic Spoon ad now? Or <laughs> I think I wrote a quick line in the in the ELO interview that I did that we talked about last week where I said I, I think his general theory of narrativity is right. And that is that telling it as much of the story as you can about the competitors will get the fans more invested in watching them when it matters, right? That's what the vision was with WSL Studios. And again, you know, Ultimate Surfer's probably the worst execution of this sort of idea of a narrative. But, but with Make or Break, we got a great version. With um, the Lost Tapes of Kelly, we got an incredible version. But I think just telling these stories, like, I, I do think he's right. I think that as, the, I think the execution has been flawed in the WSL's court but i agree with that completely it just makes sense right like it's not even like how can you argue that how can you argue that like telling somebody about how this person you're going to watch on the tv is a human being and what they struggle with and what they think about and what they're like 
isn't going to make them want to watch them do their thing more. Like, that's just fucking common sense. Um, and these are just done in a way, like, Danny's incredible. Danny's so good at having, like, references that the rest of us, like, we've talked about in here before, you and I would not, like, if if we were sent on a shopping spree, imagine us together, and somebody was like, you guys, you go to, like, a city, you go to Los Angeles, we're giving you $10,000, and just you buy <laughs> clothing. What a disaster that would be. <laughs> but... I don't know how Danny's fashion sense is, but I know his creative <laughs> sense and his, like, it, it seems like he's able to reference, like, so much different stuff or even just triangulate and say, okay, it's, like, just come up with these really cool ideas because it really is, like, seeing somebody, like, in the comfort of a daily task, but answering these questions, it you do really get a different side of them. You get this, like, looseness and this rawness, and it's, it's they're fucking great. So go watch these and uh, get into the narratives, folks. We're, we do narratives here, too. It's not just you, Eric. Where's my lefts? The end of the stab edit of the year entry period is nearly, it's nearly upon us. It is the end of November, and that means it is nearly decision time, folks. We, so this changed dramatically just like the price of a bitcoin changed dramatically in the past year um seven of the year you people enter they get an exclusive window on sap premium and then the end of the year we choose one to give a bitcoin to right well how it really works is okay you enter and basically when we do the stab surfer of the year picks which we talked to it's 50 people we call them the most influential people in the surf industry and we get their picks on who is just the most impressive surfer who is the most impressive who made the most impressive film like so a longer form thing and who made the most impressive surf edit of the year mikey you and i have both conducted a ton of these interviews anytime you ask them about anything other than like even we have like a short list of things that surfers accomplished but when it comes time to pick films and edits, every single thing you go, okay, what was your favorite edit this year? They go, huh, what what was this year? Like nobody's taking, nobody other than us is really looking at the year and knowing what came out in 2022 rather than 2021, you know. And so now when we conduct these interviews, we are going to have a stab edit of the year shortlist. They can pick edits off it if they remember other ones, but when they say, when we say, hey, okay, John John Florence, who do you think put out the best edit of the year? And he goes, oh, we go, here's the top three from Stab Edit of the Year picks. And, I mean, I'm pretty confident that we got some of the best edits in here. I don't, I can't think of many edits that weren't in this thing that came out this year that we, that count as that edit, which is like a, meant to be a shorter form, like pretty much the replacement for the DVDs that some of us bought growing up and plugged in and just got us fired up to surf. You're not telling a story, you're just good surfing, good music, boom, right? That's what we're trying to do here. Um, I think we got the best ones of the year beyond there. And it is coming time to review them all. Stab Premium members will we'll be talking about it here. You'll get an email. It'll be on the site. You won't miss it. But you're going to have to pick your favorites. Uh, based on the comments so far, we kind of tease it in this. There is a runaway favorite. Um, but Mikey, I want to ask you who you think would be in the lead right now. I don't know. I don't want to like influence people listening to this. 
I don't think I'll be able to influence the surfers we ultimately interview, but just to sort of rattle off who we have thus far, we have Kale Walsh, Ollie Henry, Mateus Hurdy, Brad Flora, Rio Wida, Leo Fioravanti, Rolando Montez, and Parker Coffin. I also just interviewed Albi today. He's going to be dropping his next week, so that's coming. And at the same time that he's dropping his, he's in the middle of editing Stab Edit of the Year entries for Kai Paula, who was on Stab Highway California, and Tori Meister, who has been, if you've been on Instagram, in Portugal surfing some of the scariest slabs ever. Which, by the way, Buck, where are you? There's a left one up the coast. <laughs> <laughs> So that's who we've got thus far, and there may be, I mean, we don't even really know. We know that those three are coming, but we, the, for all we know, John could drop a sneaky one in there. Um, anybody could drop a sneaky one before November 30. They've just been holding their cards close to their chest. It's possible. Yeah, yeah. And that was part of the purpose of this post was to just remind people that, hey, this doesn't end at the end of 2022. This ends the end of November, so we have time to start conducting these interviews to get the surfers picks. Well, I'm just wondering what the winner's going to do with their $2,000 Bitcoin. It's a lot. There's a lot you can do with 2K. All right, folks. Very special time of the week. A sacred time. It is time for a surf sin. We talk a lot on here about sins that are more thematic. You know, we get a few that it's just like, okay, well, we've had... So-and-so say this and that. And this one is completely new. We have never had something comparable to this before. I feel like a lot of people will still be able to relate to it. But in, in the realm of a surf sin, it's completely new. And from Georgia, no less. <laughs> Georgia! Let's hear it. Hey, Buck. Hey, Michael. This is Adam May, all the way from... Woodstock, Georgia, if you'd believe it. Huge fan of the show. Love listening to you boys every Friday on my way out uh, to grab some food. Um, I do have a solid surf sin for you, and I hope it falls into that category. So several months ago, uh, my wife and I were heading upstairs with the kids, and this was right in the middle of Stab High, California. I was loving every minute of the episodes. Well, sure enough, uh, my wife, as she was about to take a shower, and I uh, had my little, at the time, probably eight-month-old girl with me, um, I was getting ready to watch a little bit of it during, uh, while I was watching my daughter, and of course, my wife says to me just before she goes to take a shower, hey, Adam, make sure that you keep an eye on her, and if she's up on the bed, she'll roll off really easy. Well, of course, I'm like, yeah, yeah, okay, I get it. And what ends up happening is uh, I switch on uh, Stab Highway California, and I'm really getting into the content and watching and just starting to laugh and everything. And all of a sudden, out of the corner of my eye, I hear this big thud. Well, yeah, of course. You know what happened. My little girl rolled off the side of the bed, hit the ground. Luckily, nothing got hurt. Uh, She was totally fine. Uh, But my wife came running out of the shower and was like, Adam, I told you to watch. But all I could think to myself was, but this episode of Stab High was so good. All right, guys, looking forward to my penance. Thanks. You. Like I said, this is the first. uh, Wow. Yeah. I mean, it was a compelling program. I mean, okay. So 
on one hand, I'm gonna I'm gonna start with the nice. On one hand, this guy lives in Georgia, the state, by the way, I would imagine, not the country. And for anybody who doesn't know, Georgia, I would argue, probably has the worst waves on the East Coast of any state that has a coastline. I think New Hampshire has 13 miles of coast only, and they get significantly better waves more often than Georgia. I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's like super shallow out offshore so that swells never really get in there but like florida which is its southern neighbor gets good waves relatively decently or like florida good waves south carolina doesn't really get good waves but it's definitely better than georgia georgia's just like tucked into this little pocket and swells just don't seem to get in there at least from what i've seen maybe they got secret waves that i don't know about but anyway i hope the georgian surf community just targets (laughs) you after this one so comes at you on the internet i i understand how coming from a place like that your weekly installment of, you know, just surfiness would be really important to you. Like, especially, you know, a stab highway thing, it's surf plus fun, extracurricular stuff. And I can understand how he really looked forward to that. He said it's a big listener to the the podcast. So he's obviously getting his surf fix outside of the ocean, which you kind of have to do if you live in a place like Georgia. That said, he let his baby fall off a bed, eight months old. Okay, but if you have an eight-month-old, it's going to fall off a bed at some point. No eight-month-old doesn't fall off a bed. You don't go through infanthood, whatever they call it, not falling off a bed. I mean, it's going to happen. Yes, it's probably likely that you fell off a bed when you were eight months old. Almost certain. But I don't think that that happens to everyone. <laughs> your head's still soft at that point, I think. At least your neck is still not able to hold you up so that is really problematic i would be if i was your wife i would probably have divorced you as far as a penance goes it's clear that you don't care for your baby in the same way most people do i would at least from what we've heard so i imagine that that level of care has to be somewhere else in your life and based on how much you seem to love stab highway love the podcast i would imagine it's something surf centric so where do you go first to the surfboard right So my penance is for you to drive from your house to your surf spot, your local surf spot, whether it's 10 minutes away, 30 minutes away, whatever. And you have to put your board on the roof of your car, your favorite board on the roof of your car, and you're not allowed to strap it on. Ooh, creative. So you can keep a hand on it if you want, but that board has to be... Actually, no, you can't keep a hand on it because you couldn't even keep a hand on your baby. So you just got to raw dog it to the beach. I'd pick a a not windy day and drive slow if I were you maybe put a little foo wax on it but whatever happens happens and that's that's going to be you really feeling what you should have felt toward your baby just this sense of absolute anxiety and like oh my god I hope nothing bad happens to the thing that you really care about in life which is presumably your surfboard I like that I like that that kind of reminds me of when you know how like in some like sex ed classes in high school, they don't tell you anything about doggy style, any fun stuff. They just, you know, they make you take like an egg around. You prove you can't, you can hold on to an egg without breaking it for three days or whatever. Um, kind of reminds me of that. Just like, you know, one of those things where you, like in my high school too, I remember they had these things where it was like a baby doll that you had to carry around for three days. And at one point you're crying, you have to hit a button or something stupid. Um, but anyway, reminds me of that. I'm going a completely different angle. I think eight months old, they're going to fall off the bed. (laughs) They're going to fall off the bed. Um, I think this man is great. I think he's a super dad. And I'm going to go at this from a completely different angle. And I'm going to say, okay, the daughter, she fell off the bed. 
To make that worthwhile, she needs to complete a stab highway California challenge at some point in her life. You have to explain to this human being at some point in her life that she fell off the bed because you're watching it and then go through the list of challenges and pick one for her to complete um, to kind of go full circle Make it worth it, you know? Like, if you're going to fall... Everybody falls. You fall off a surfboard. Sometimes you hit rocks. It it happens, right? So you just have to make it worth it somehow. And so to me, it's just about making it worth it to her. And for that is, choose any of the challenges on there. She has to complete one. Do a nice family trip to California. I don't know when. I'll leave that up to you based off the challenge you choose. But that's it. That's it. Just one challenge. Whatever you want. She has to complete it. I love how he said that nothing happened to her. Like, she's eight months old. You have no idea. She could have irreversible brain damage. You're so concerned about this baby. <laughs> Dude, well, I don't know how high their bed is. I don't know if she landed on, like, a hardwood floor or a carpet. He also, when he originally said it, he was like, yeah, nothing got hurt. And it made me think, like, oh, were you thinking of, like, the floor first before your child? So, yeah, I... I've got some problems with this, but I do appreciate how passionate he you is. You really, stuff. you're trying to call <laughs> Dyfus on this guy. I, I, I think he's fine. I think babies fall off beds. I think it's a thing. I agree. You fell off the bed a lot. What? Like hardens you up. All right. Well, that is. Uh, those are your penance options. So you can either do one in, you know, 15 years or whatever, or you can take one for the team and and bust one out this week if you go surfing. If Georgia somehow gets a little swell from this hurricane, you're a great father, and we love you. Thank you, as always, for listening to The Drop. And if you want to incriminate yourself on this show, you can drop a surf send to michael at stabbank.com or bucketstabbank.com. Again, remember, if you are a Stab Premium member, we now have a new app where you can watch all of our premium content and basically be able to stream it straight onto your TV so you don't have to be watching it on a phone or computer or tablet. makes the viewing experience that much better and really is a part of this small serving village that we're creating together. So that wraps it up for this week, and we'll be back next Friday with another episode. Over and out.